0: Thank you, everyone. Bless you. Such an honor to be here. Please be seated. It is really a true honor to be here with you guys, and uh, kind of enjoying the weather too. It's nice, <laughs> right? It's just like kind of. I don't know if it gets any better than this. This weather is really nice. It reminds me of where we lived in Australia in Perth. It's the same type of climate, beautiful, and so I'm enjoying that. Dallas is pretty good this time of year. Just got to watch out for tornadoes every so often. <laughs> Hail, you know, I mean, everybody's car gets wrecked in Dallas. It's like, you got to keep your car hidden. So it's uncovered for sure. But anyway, it's awesome to be here, it really is. And I was just listening to Pastor Susan as she was sharing, and she actually said two things. She touched on two things that the Lord put in my heart to share. And uh, so I think as I go through the message, we'll just see... What happens? But the Lord has really been speaking to me about idolatry in the church, not just in the world, but in the church, and how we have corrupted uh, the ministry. Now, I want you to understand, that's very biblical. Before judgment fell on Jerusalem, when they were taken into captivity in 586 B.C., what ended up happening is God was dealing with their hearts regarding the corruption that was in the priesthood the corruption that was in ministry so it's very very important that we understand this and I believe that we're living in a time where God is trying to restore a purity to his house and humility because we aren't that great honestly we really aren't and the more we really get to know Jesus I believe personally the more um, we become aware of who we are now there's a false humility There's a humility that basically says, well, you know, it's all God. No, it's not. It's not all God. The Bible says that we're called to partake in what's called a great commission. It's a commission. It's not his mission. It's not our mission. A commission. Meaning that two parties, two individuals are collaborating, coming together and cooperating to fulfill the mission. So God has said in his sovereignty and he said, look, I, I'm, I assigned to you guys' responsibility to get this thing done. But ultimately, we know we can't do it on our own. And Mark 16, 20, to me, really highlights what that looks like to be in a commission. It says that the apostles went out everywhere preaching and the Lord was working with them. Did you hear that? The Lord was working with them. You know, God doesn't work for us. And we don't work for God. Okay, now, in the sense that, yeah, he's the boss, I get it, but I'm saying the point is, he says we work together. Yeah. Paul says that we're co-laborers in, with Christ. We are co-laborers. So there is a, a call to be able to do this. You know, I've heard people say, well, the Bible says that I will build my church, and unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain, and what they do is they use that as an excuse to do nothing. And like, oh, but yet, Paul talks all about working, 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 and he said, it's not that we work in our own flesh, our own strength, our own ability, but we allow his power to work in us and to work through us. Remember, Philippians 2.13 says that God is working in us both to to will and to do his good pleasure. New Living says, God is working in you, energio, energizing you. And that literally means he's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Amen. Now, you still got to do what pleases him, you still got to choose, you still got to position yourself, so to speak, to receive that from the Lord. But ultimately, it all comes down to understanding what God has called you to do. Where are you in your assignment, in your place? in this mission that Jesus has called us to as his people. You know, understand and I just want to be very clear about this that Jesus did not save you exclusively to take you to heaven or to spare you from hell. He certainly ha- there is a hell that we we need to shun, we need to hate that and 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 that and certainly God has prepared us for an eternal glory. Turn to your neighbor and say you look good in the glory come on now you look good the glory isn't that how see because you were created the Bible talks about the beauty of his holiness you know when a person looks their best when they're full of the glory of God I mean you ever notice people that are demonized they look so dark they look so nasty I mean you, you see people that are, have, are like you know meth addicts and others and what they look like oh my gosh the darkness the and and they're just a mess and and when you come into the kingdom and you really experience with that is the kingdom, the power and the glory, when you're really in the kingdom, I'm not talking about when you're religious now, but when you're really living in the kingdom, you experience power and glory. You experience power and glory. So you do look better in the glory. So that's just the way God created us. Isaiah 43, verse seven, everyone whom I created for my glory, you're created for his glory. Isn't that awesome? Come on, created for his glory man, I love the glory of God. I love the glory of God. So why why settle for anything else on what he wants to give to us? So my name is Glenn Blakeney, Awakenations, awakenations.org. But also more recently, we've started another ministry initiative called the Kingdom Community. And I'll just share briefly what the Kingdom Community is because it ties in to what I'm going to share on today. So, during, just before COVID, we, we felt the Lord was saying, you know, I want you to do more online training. Now, I've been doing online, guys, before there was, before there was Facebook Live, I was online doing lives, okay? I mean, 10 years before, I was doing lives. And it wasn't easy back then to do it. And that was, that was before, um, what, what is it that Twitter brought out and they ended up just shutting it down after? Uh, no, not Twitch, the, yeah, yeah, somebody's going to remember, it was alive, okay, and and anyway, uh, oh yeah, So so anyway, what happens is I'm doing that when it first comes out, and it was crazy, like thousands of people would watch you, and Periscope, thank you very much, <laughs> Periscope, so... I'm doing that, and man, thousands of people are watching me. I'm like one of the first people on Periscope. So I've always been kind of on the cutting edge when it comes to things, and I've really availed myself of technology to be able to reach people. That's been the purpose, okay? Now, what has happened in recent times, though, is I really felt like the Lord said, you really need to focus more on training and equipping people around the world. And so we, we started to do that, and specifically... I would, I would talk about things that, by and large, people were not addressing, or at least addressing in a very practical way. So one of the seminars, webinars I started to do was how to transition a church or a ministry into an apostolic paradigm of ministry. How do you go from the conventional um, church, you know, that, that is kind of just does the Sunday, the weekend thing, into really being an apostolic Um, force on the earth. And we'll talk about that today. People started responding like I couldn't believe it. I was getting pastors and leaders from all over the world saying, yes, I'm signing up for this. And it was amazing. And so we continue to do these training and teachings and I realized what's going on. Then another thing that was started to happen was people would reach out to my wife and I and they would say, hey, we just feel like we're supposed to connect with you. And I said, well, what do you mean connect? And like, and they said, I don't know. I just feel like, like you're supposed to speak into our lives. You're supposed to help us. Like a lot of them were people in ministry, but not everyone. And so we just said, oh, okay, that's interesting. And so what ended up happening is the Lord basically said to us, he said, look, I've called you now in this season. Don't you, it's kind of like, don't you see what I'm doing? Like, are you that dense? that you don't see what I'm doing. And so the Lord was building something Now He said, you think you can catch up? And so I said, okay, Lord, I wanna do what you have called me to do. I wanna ride the wave, so to speak. And the Lord says to me, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've called you to. This is a season for you to really step into your apostolic calling fully. Now I've been functioning apostolically for many years. I've been teaching on it for many years. But how many know that it's a process to get to where God wants you to go? It's a process because we are all learning. We're all discerning. God is changing us. He's developing us. He's teaching us. Sometimes we don't have the revelation nor the capacity to be able to live in that place. So the Lord begins to show me this. And, man, we just like, okay, this is what we're called to do. We're called to to build this apostolic network. And I didn't want it to become, you know, about a person, honestly, about, about me. I did not want it to become that. And so even as I was communicating with a lot of my friends, um, some of my friends, they, they speak Spanish as their first language. And they live not only in, in the Americas, but some of them live actually in Spain. And we were talking, and, you know, they kind of hold the whole network idea versus comunidad, right? So, like, community. Community is family, familia, right? So we got the family thing. People are looking for family. Yeah. People want community. They don't want, like, a, a network. Join our network, you know, and pay their fees. And, you know, and, and it's like <laughs> this multi-level you know kind of networking and stuff and and I'm not saying there and I'm not you know dissing that I'm just saying the reality is that's something that I wanted to be very cautious that I did not project that this is what we're doing in other words this isn't about well I'll impart to you something powerful if you give me this and you you know I didn't want it to become and I realized it wasn't about a person because God has set in the church, Ephesians 4, 11, first of all, uh, pro- apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of all, yeah. all the believers. Yeah. So we're not going to see this thing called revival until we recognize that we have to all be equipped. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that we've come out of A process an evolution so to speak where the Lord has revealed to us certain things and we've kind of taken those things Ezekiel 16 verse 17 says and it's talking about uh, gold and silver but it actually says that you've taken the gold and the silver the things I've given you and you've prostituted them you've turned them into an idol and it's what God says So what I'm saying, one translation says, you've taken my gifts and you prostituted them. You played the harlot with it. That's what it says in that translation. So what happens is we take these things that God intends to be a a means of serving people, helping people, and we totally, especially in America, we make it hierarchical. It's like top down, I'm the top dog, I'm the big enchilada, And you got to serve me without me, you know, you're just not going to be able. And we make it all about the man, the person, the woman, rather than about the people. But when Jesus came, he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. (laughs) So Paul talks about his apostolic grace, and he said, God has given it to me. To serve to build up to help equip and bring people into the fullness of their potential and their destiny in Christ so let's just look at something here in Exodus 25 I know I've got notes that I sent in and there's probably some slides that are prepared well I know there is but I don't know if I'm gonna go there this morning okay I don't know if you guys can stay for second service, but I may continue when I started here. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is I want you to see something in the scripture that maybe you've never seen before. Exodus 25, let's look at verses 8 and 9. Okay. Now, remember, God is speaking to Moses here. And he actually starts off in verse 1 of Exodus 25, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering, verse one. So God doesn't just accept all offerings, right? Understand that. God says, speak to them, but don't receive it if they're not doing it willingly from their heart, okay? Now, now, really important that we get that. And then what happens is, he continues and he says, I want them to give these things for a purpose, okay? The purpose is we're going to build something. Come on, turn in your neighbor and say that we've been blessed to build. Come on. We've been blessed to build, all right. Now, so here's what he says, he goes, okay, I'm going I'm to take these things and we're gonna build something. Then if we pick it up in verse eight, and let them, the Lord is speaking here, Jehovah's speaking, and let them make me a sanctuary. Turn to your neighbor and say, this thing ain't about you, okay? All right, it ain't about our ministries, it's not about, about our businesses, it's not about being you know, favored, ultimately. There's always a purpose in, in blessing. There's a purpose in prosperity. By the way, there's also purpose in pain. Oh. <laughs> all right, so what happens is, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Right. Amen. According to all that I show you, God speaking to Moses, that is the pattern. I lived in Australia. It's, I love the way they say pattern. Patent. Patent. <laughs> According to the patent. I'm like, the Patent. Patent is something you file, you know, when you want a copyright or something. But anyway, in Australia, just saying. Okay, so according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings just so you should make it. Do you sense that God's pretty serious here? Like God's saying, don't just build it any old way. Don't compromise. Don't cut corners. Don't like, well, Lord, you know, if we do it here and then we can save some money, you know, we can. God said, no, I'm going to give you a blueprint. And you're going to have to build it exactly according to the blueprint. Build it exactly, just so. Now, when you go over to the book of Hebrews, interestingly enough, the writer of Hebrews quotes this passage. I believe it's in the fifth chapter. And he begins to talk about how, 8th chapter maybe, he begins to talk about how what they were called to build was actually a representation of a heavenly reality. So in other words, what you're called to build here, I'm giving you, listen to this, guys, watch this. I'm giving you a pattern to build something on the earth that is a replication it is, it is a type and a shadow of a heavenly reality. So if you're going to represent me and my kingdom on the earth, you better do it actually according to the way it is. Don't you like, well, I think that God, no, he's saying you got to understand that you're called to do John 5, 19, the son can do nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the father do in the heavens, so he does on the earth. I only speak those things, I hear my father speaking. So we have to recognize that we're called to replicate and to represent the kingdom to the people of the earth. There's already a kingdom, guys. God, you know, Jesus has, has been king forever. I mean, he created everything. Okay, the Bible says, from everlasting to everlasting, you God. You know, it says in, in in um in Matthew 25, the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Yeah. So the kingdom isn't something that John the Baptist had received some revelation. He came preaching the kingdom and Jesus continued it. The kingdom was prepared from the foundation of the world. One translation says from the creation. Of the world very important that we get this so God is a king ultimately and he's always had a kingdom and that kingdom was prepared for us when he created the world and when he created us but it was always in existence so we we cannot miss this we cannot miss this this is so important so God says build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all I show you, according to the pattern. Now, the word sanctuary is derived from the Hebrew word kadesh. It's used in Ezekiel 20, verse 12, and I am the Lord that sanctifies you, the same root word. So what he's saying here is, I want you to build me a place, a holy dwelling place. In other words, this word in the Hebrew language would never be used of just a mundane facility. It was, it was a place that was designated as a sacred place, as a place that was used for worship, as a place that was, that was uh, focused on encountering God. Okay, so, so the idea here is this is about building something that is completely unlike any other place in the world. Any other building, any other facility, any other, you know, uh, habitation. This is about building something that is called a sanctuary. And he says, the purpose for you building this sanctuary is that I may dwell among you. Now, let's put this in historical Context. Moses had been called by the Lord to come up to the mountain. Remember? Mount Sinai. We know he was there for 40 days, 40 nights. Often, when you ask the average person, the average believer, what happened when Moses was on top of Mount Sinai? What do most people say? What happened on Mount Sinai? Ten commandments, right? Yeah. Moses came down, they're worshiping the golden calf, he gets upset, you know, he smashes the Ten Commandments and he gets up, that whole thing, right? We know the narrative. But ultimately that was a very small part of what Moses received. When Moses was in the glory of God he received the blueprints to build this thing called the tabernacle or the sanctuary. And there's only like one chapter in the book of Exodus devoted to the Ten Commandments, chapter 20, but pretty much the rest, almost the rest of the book of Exodus is all about how to build this thing called a, a, a tabernacle or a sanctuary. So God is like, I'm not just looking for people that are going to be nice and they're not going, thou shall not kill, thou shall not whatever, right? He's, God was like, I'm looking for a people that understand that I've created them to have relationship with me so that I may dwell in them. This thing is about, listen, this is old covenant. And God is saying old covenant, this is about habitation. This is about presence. Mm -hmm. This is about that I may dwell in your your midst. The word dwell isn't visitation, it's a word that means habitation. It means permanently. It's not like, Okay, so people are, well, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon people. Then they left, and the rest of their days, you know, and like, you know, they they fulfilled their assignment or whatever. It was only select people, prophets, priests, kings, that type of thing. No, God says here very clearly, I want to dwell in the midst of all my people. Let them, the children of Israel, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Okay, this is awesome. Do you get this? All right, so let's fast forward. To the new covenant, Jesus talks about the fact that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He does say in Paul says in First Corinthians six nineteen that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about the context is for those who were in the church in Corinth uh, who had come out of that wicked culture. It's kind of like the Vegas of of that that time. And they were involved in a lot of um, immorality, particularly when they were involved in worship, worshiping the gods, they, they got themselves involved in sexual acts with prostitutes. So the point is, he's saying here, he's saying your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't be going and doing that, okay? Now, a lot of times we focus on that verse, that one verse, but there's another verse in 1 Corinthians that is much more important. It's 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. In this place, Paul talks to the church collectively. In the Greek, it's the word you in plural. So if you're from Texas, you would say y'all, okay? So don't y'all know? I mean, actually, if you're in Texas, it'd be all y'all, okay? So it wouldn't be just y'all, it's all y'all, okay? And, and so it's all about realizing collectively that we are the temple, yeah. temple. In other words, where does God dwell? Well, God doesn't dwell in temples anymore. Yes, he does. He dwells in a temple there's only one temple. Yes, our bodies are the temple in, in what he's saying there. But when you look at it, what he's saying is ultimately there's kind of, you know, the this, this small. But then there's the big picture. The macro is that we are the temple of God collectively. All right. Now, Paul uses another analogy. And he says that we are the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4 he actually so that we we don't get confused and miss it he actually says the church which is his body and then he continues Ephesians 4 11 through 16 and he says the body of Christ which is the church so in other words the church is his body and the body is the church okay so that's pretty clear and he's saying that the purpose of the fivefold is to equip and to prepare us to be a body. Now, I wanna talk to you about raising the dead this morning. That was my introduction. Okay. (laughs) The plane is up, we're at 30,000 feet, we're cruising. Okay, let's cruise up there for a little bit. The body of Christ, you are an important part of what God wants to do in this end time but the question I must ask you this morning is are you a body part or are you part of the body are you a body part or are you part of the body we got a lot of people that are Believers, disciples, they go, well, you know, I'm this, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm, you know, I, I've got the gift of giving, the gift of serving, not the gift of gab, but I got this, that's, that's carnal, that's not anointed, okay, uh, <laughs> I guess it can be redeemed, but ultimately, the point is, God says, I have given you gifts, and there are many people, and for years, guys, And we're talking about a progression, an evolution of coming into the fullness of the message of the kingdom. I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but let me just say that people have been preaching about apostles and prophets for a long time. And I, I, go, to, I go to places and I minister, particularly in North America, and I hear these guys, leaders, say this all the time, pastors, others, even apostles say, well, you know, in the 1940s, God poured out His Spirit in Battleford, Saskatchewan, and it became known as the Latter Rain Movement. How many have heard about that? Okay, so let me tell you something. In many people from North America point to that as the kind of primary, um, maybe even the singular event that launched the apostolic and the prophetic. And yet, let me tell you, that's not true. Like I'm from Canada, I know. Okay? Like it's 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 fake news. Okay? I mean, true story is fake news. And the point is, God is saying that's not true. Because from the beginning, the Lord said in the church, first of all, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers. By the way, Pastor's are not even on that list, 1 Corinthians 12 28. So the interesting thing is he says in Ephesians 2.20, I build my church upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. And when he says, first of all, he uses the word proton, and proton in the New Testament language means first in terms of order, sequence, and even importance, even importance. So God's saying the apostle is the most important thing. In the, New Test- in the Old Testament, it was the prophet. In the New Testament, he shifts it. And it's now the apostle. Now, Jesus Christ is referred to as the chief apostle and the great high priest of our faith. So it's very important that we recognize that. So here's what happens. We see the restoration of of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And in like Azusa Street, we, we see stuff going on in Wales, you know, other places. And that's what we call what God was doing, you know, a great Pentecostal restoration of of the gifts of the baptism of Holy Spirit, and it spread all over the world. It's awesome. Then we see like miracles and healings emerging. Amy Semple McPherson uh, had the first megachurch, in fact the only mega church in the world at that time in 1923, right here in LA. And so what ends up happening is God is doing these amazing things. But then We talk about this whole thing about the Restoration Apostles in the late 40s, 48 in particular, not true. I pastored this church in Perth, Australia that was started in the 1920s by apostles and prophets who came out of the Welsh Revival and the United Kingdom and they said, we're gonna go to Australia and we're gonna reach people and we'll target the capital cities in each state and we will, we will go in there with miracle signs and wonders, reach people, plant churches, and they, were, they embraced apostles and prophets. In fact, it was apostles and prophets in teams that went out to do this. So to say it happened here in North America ain't true. If you see it on Wikipedia you need to document tell them it's false so the point I'm trying to make here is guys it's been going on for a long time but we have corrupted apostles and prophets now I know there's some real genuine prophets and apostles I get that I is one but I want you to understand something we've corrupted it in many instances where we've, we've, we've diluted it, we've distorted it so that it's no longer been the purpose from which God wanted it to be. So let me, let me go here, and then we're about to, you know, it's kind of like, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be, put, put your laptops away, everything else. We're about to descend, okay? And we're approaching. Now here's, we're going down. Are you ready? <clears throat> so what happens, God moves, God restores But then we come into this age where we start to see things shifting from what is known as preaching the gospel of salvation to what we we see more people under preaching on revelational things pertaining to the kingdom. So we move away from the gospel of salvation. We are still in that process and we're embracing the gospel of the kingdom. There's only one time in the New Testament where the the language is used, gospel of salvation, only one time, Ephesians 1, verse 13. All the other times, it talks about the gospel of Jesus, and yes, the gospel of grace, but ultimately, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, when the disciples asked him, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age, verse 3 of Matthew 24, Jesus responded And he said, guys, there's going to be persecutions. There's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. Nation will rise against nation. There'll be false prophets. There'll be false Christs. He said, these things are going to happen, verse 6. But he says, but don't be afraid. Don't stress out because he said, this is not the end, is what he says in verse 6. It's not the end. Like they're asking, Jesus, what would be the sign of your coming in the end? All this stuff's going to happen, but this is not the end. Then verse 8, he says, these things are birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows. But ultimately, there's only one thing Jesus articulated in unequivocal terms is the fulfillment of the question the disciples asked him: what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And it's verse 14. He says this: this gospel of the kingdom. I like when he says this gospel. Because he's saying, you know, the gospel that I'm preaching. Okay. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony or a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Then the end will come. Powerful. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached, okay, to all the world, but more specifically to all the nations, United Nations has 195 countries in its membership. They do not include Taiwan, 196 if Taiwan was in the list. But the word that is used here by Jesus is a word from which we get our term ethnic, ethnic groups. And there's actually over 17,400 distinct ethnic groups in all of these 196 nations of the world. Right now, only about 6,900 have access to the gospel. I'm sorry. Shh. Delete. Right now, 6,900 are considered unreached people groups. Okay? That is close to 3 billion people. The population of the world right now is 7.8 plus billion. 3 billion don't have access. Now, that's a lot of people. It even gets worse because there's some place in the world where there's absolutely no access to the gospel. Right now. Well, oh, yeah, man, they just go online, you know? Like I post on Facebook every day. Facebook is blocked in China. Social media is blocked in China. Okay? Like, well, we just get them on a Zoom meeting, disciple them that way. Cuba has blocked Zoom. We get around it, but the point I'm trying to make is it's not as simple as that. So what happens is God says there is such a need for people to get this thing called gospel of the kingdom. Now when most missiologists talk about unreached people groups, they do not take into consideration the gospel of the kingdom. They're just saying, the gospel that Jesus died, he rose again, he lives forevermore, he sits at the right hand of the Father, and if you believe in him, you'll be forgiven and you'll go to heaven, and that's the message. And that's, that's, that's a good place to start. But listen to me, if, if that's all God intended for you was pie in the sky and the sweet by and by and when you die that he would kill you the moment you're born again because he knew you mess it up. Turn to your neighbor and say, I messed it up. And turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still messing up. Okay, now turn to your neighbor and say, you're a mess. All right, okay. But seriously, guys, think about it. Why did Jesus come to the earth? He didn't show up and go, okay, like, I'm 30 years old now, let's go to the cross, let's get this thing over with so y'all can be delivered and set free and, you know, restored to the Father. Um, He actually died for us so we could live. Live on the earth for at least a season so we could be restored to the image and likeness of the Father. We could be restored to identity that we could be restored to our purpose for being created. Now, again, I'm not going to get into all that today. That book I have in the kingdom talks more about it. It's a small book, a simple read. I'm writing a larger, more voluminous book right now on that topic. But ultimately, what we're saying is there's a call to learn to live in the kingdom. In fact, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12 It actually says that we were saved so that we would learn how to walk worthy of God who's called us into his kingdom. Man, let's talk about that. Did y'all hear that? You were saved so you would learn how to walk worthy of God who has called you into his kingdom and glory. Wow, and glory. So God has a purpose for you here. Amen. It's a kingdom purpose. Yeah. It's about his glory. Amen. Guys, I'm telling you what, religion is boring. Okay, like why would you attend a church Jesus doesn't attend? The only thing, you know, listen, I pastored a church that I wouldn't attend if I wasn't the pastor. And then we were able to turn it around. i go, yeah, I'd go here. Good preacher, right? No, it's okay. (laughs) Humility, yes. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is the church at Laodicea, he's standing outside knocking on the door saying, let me in. Guys, contrary to popular opinion, that's, he's not knocking on the, do- the door of the heart of the sinner. He's knocking on the door of a church collectively yeah. that was having services, that was going through the religious rituals and, and motions where Jesus himself was not welcomed and recognized as a guest of honor. Wow. And so as in Laodicea, so it is today. Religious ritual has become a knockoff, a substitute for the very presence of Jesus. Why would we want to be part of something that Jesus is saying, hey, I I wouldn't mind, let me come in. Like once he comes in, right, he's kind of like, raises the bar. (laughs) He's like, okay, let's get some things straight here now that I'm... Back in my rightful place as Lord of the church. Let's get some things sorted out here. So this is something very important. So what happens is we're living in a time in a season where God is trying to restore order. Order. When it says that he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, okay, particularly the apostolic and the prophetic first, it's because God has a particular vision and mission that he wants to accomplish. And Paul received by revelation what that is. Okay, are you ready? We're at 10,000 feet. In Ephesians 4, their responsibility verse 12 new living their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church did you hear that their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church the body of christ this will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of god's son that we're mature in the lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of christ We'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing up. Come on, guys. Can I tell you just because you're showing up doesn't mean you're growing up? Growing up. Listen to this. Growing in every way more and more, more and more. Hey, what about one year ago on this day, have you grown? You know exactly what you're doing one year ago on this day if you have a Facebook account. <laughs> like, dude, I did that, that was a year ago? Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it was. It's like, I see things that goes four years ago today, I'm like, four years ago? Like, you know, but you know exactly. So here, here's what happens, okay? Okay. Instead, he says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let me, let me just now, we're, we're, we're about to land, okay? The wheels are down, we're about to land. Are you ready? The word that is translated equip to equip the saints is the Greek word kartartizmos, It literally is is the only time it's found in the New Testament. But the verb form, kartartizo, is used many times in the New Testament. There are several places this is used. But just to highlight, in Matthew 4.21, the word kartartizo is used of mending a torn fishing net. In Hebrews 11.3, that same word is used about God bringing the universe into order, more from, from chaos to cosmos, from bringing to completion that which is lacking in a, in a believer's life. And then in Luke 6.40, the same word is translated uh, tra- translated perfectly uh, trained. Or, and the idea is to be, the student is not above the teacher, but when he's been perfectly trained, Carter will. He'll be like his teacher. So, so here's what I'm saying. There's three aspects of this word because the first example in Matthew 4, 21 is about a fishing net, remember? They're mending the fishing net. Now, a question, why do you mend a fishing net? I've been to the Philippines and some of the remote places. We've ministered there. And these guys are coming in on their boats and they're sitting down and they're literally mending the fishing nets after a, a fishing trip because why? To catch more fish, exactly, right? So what the word means, to mend, to repair, that's what it's translated. And yet, why do we repair something? Because we want to hang it up on the, on the wall and say, man, isn't this the most awesome fishing net you've ever seen? Like, it's been through some storms, I'll tell you. We got churches like that, the first church of the mended fishing net. Like, man, we've done so many things. I remember back in the good old days. I remember, and, and you know, we memorialize a move of God rather than mobilize a move of God. And God says, I want to do something new and fresh. Get that net off the wall and go fish. I want to mend you, yeah, I want to mend you, but I want to mend you so I can send you. Before I can move you into your misery, I do need to mend, to move you into your ministry, I do need to mend you of your misery. But there's a place for the mending, but there's a place for the send. So God is all about equipping each one of us. We're part of the body. And if you don't do your part, if you won't allow the Lord to mend you and you won't allow the Lord to send you, you, the whole body of Christ will suffer. So the word cardartizo is also translated in 1 Corinthians 1.10, perfectly joined together. The word means this. He's saying that there would be no divisions, but you'd be of the same mind and the same judgment. And he said you'd be perfectly joined together, that you would be cardartizo, like that net that is mended and is perfectly joined together, that you would work as one. He didn't give us all fishing poles and say go fish he said he gave us nets yeah. so we were it takes a team to work a net yeah. nice. you see so you know they always read that right they call they had the team on the boat so here's here's my what i want to say in conclusion what does revival look like it looks like a body it looks like a body let me close with this ezekiel 37 the Lord asked the prophet, son of man, can these bones live? He takes them out. He shows them this valley. It's full of dry bones. And he asked him the question, can these bones live? Of course, he's like, no comment. What do you think, God? Only you know, right? And, and so because, but then what God tells him to do is prophesy. He said, I'm, I want you to prophesy. He said, I'm going I'm to cause life to enter these bones. They're going to rise up. They're going to become an exceedingly great army. So the first thing he does is when he prophesies, what happens is the breath of God isn't anywhere to be seen. What takes place is there is a connecting and a coming together of bones. So there are many bones, and they're very dry. That's quantity and quality. But verse 3 says in the New Living that these bones are scattered. That's the quandary. So, the quandary is, we are like the valley of dry bones. We're all kind of doing our own thing. That's what I meant by are you a part of the body or are you just a body part? And God is trying to bring the body together in this season. He's trying to us. It's a word in Greek that literally means to bring into alignment, an orthopedic word, actually. it was used in the medical profession to bring a bone, to fuse it together, to restore it, to bring it into alignment. And that's what God is trying to do. So before there is revival, the breath of God represents revival. And a lot of us are praying for revival and God says, there won't be in this season prophetically I declare to you that this is a season of reset this is a season of preparation this is a season where God is saying you need to get things right because I believe we are in a time and a season of literally the final move of the Holy Spirit the great end time harvest and God is saying my church has to be ready the nets have to be prepared because of what I'm about to do so before the net can be cast it has to be repaired but God is saying before I send revival there has to be reformation reforming a body and when the reformation takes place God says I'll pour out my spirit because I want to tell you this last move of God God's saying I am setting things up according to the blueprint that I gave Moses which was a type and shadow now this is a season to do it right in this season it's not going to be about Benny Hinn in this season it's not going to be about that one or that one yes there will be those that God uses powerfully apostles prophets God will use and others but he's saying that's not enough I need a body I need a body because what we've been called to do is not just to experience reformation or revival there's a purpose before reformation or revival and it's called representation representation we're called to represent him We're his body when people see his body they say that's the body of christ that's the body of christ when they see us they say that's christ Jesus You see we're called to a place of reformation will you come into alignment will you come into alignment with what God wants to do with your life will you surrender all will you give it all will you say God yes i will i will position myself i will align myself with your purpose for my life God use me set me in the body set me in the place you want me. Let me be not just a body part functioning autonomously, but let me be in complete organic unity with the body. And when I talk about the body, I'm talking about a remnant. I'm talking about a remnant. Yeah. The real body. There's going to be more people coming in. People are coming out of religion by droves and they're looking to be part of this last day reformation that is resetting and recalibrating and refreshing bringing revival so that we can represent Jesus not so we can fill buildings that's a byproduct filling buildings but so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea hallelujah Hallelujah! come on give Jesus praise give Jesus praise thank you Lord Come on, let's just worship the Lord. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required.